When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome back to the latest Tech Sideline podcast originating from TSL's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center with founder Will Stewart, managing editor Chris Coleman. My name is Evan Hughes, proud podcast host of the Tech Sideline podcast. Gentlemen, it has been... Now, wait a minute. You left one person out. You left out our new uh, podcast producer, Malcolm. Yes, he's related. Stewart. Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. Welcome aboard, Malcolm, and welcome aboard to our Tech Sideline fans to our new Tech Sideline studios inside the Tech Sideline offices here in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Will, I want to congratulate you on your hard work this summer. You had a vision for um, upgrading the podcast to something new. Congratulations and uh, welcome aboard. It's been four months. It's been a while. Yeah, so so here's the story. Um, we, we've been doing the podcast for about two years now and uh, about, I'd say about the last 10 we started streaming out over Facebook Live and we just you can see it on our Facebook page it looks pretty bad we literally took an iPhone stuck it on a tripod at the end of the table and um, you know looking at that I've, there were a couple of things about that and like number one I thought the video production was awful just because it was a, a, an iPhone stuck on a tripod Number two, um, the audio sounded terrible. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to get proper audio patched into the video, and I wanted the video to look better, all right? So that was kind of my mission going into the summer. And it grew from there. It prob- probably the pivotal thing that happened was I started looking at, uh, there's a Texas A&M site called uh, texags.com, and we've known the Texags guys for years. I'm talking early, mid-2000s probably. Um, I, I know I've been talking to them off and on since the late uh, 2000s, probably about 10 years ago. And we actually got on a plane and flew down there to see how they do things. Um, Tex-Ags is kind of like TSL on steroids. You know, they, they, they do, gosh, we do about 50 million page views a, uh, a year. They, they purport to do something like 400 million. You know, they have three times as many subscribers, all that. They're further down the road than we are. So we went down to see them, and they do something called Texags Radio, where they actually they are on the radio in College Station every morning from eight to eleven a.m. Three hours, I think it's three hours a day, talking about Texas A&M athletics. That sounds really hard to do, but anyway, we went down there. We wanted to look at their operation. One of the things we got to look at was their studio. So we got some ideas there and came back here, and, and I was wondering what I wanted it to look like. Now, now I'm sorry for those of you that are just listening on the podcast. This is kind of, this is kind of an abstract discussion. You're just here for the audio, and you really don't want us to talk about what it looks like, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll try to be, I'll try to be quick. Um, but I, I would advise you to go to our Facebook page and look at the archived video of this podcast to see what we're talking about. So when we got back from Texas A&M, um, I was wondering what I wanted the studio to look like. Uh, I kind of liked how they did it, nice, nice, dark, warm type stuff. 
and so in addition to being smitten with how with the way the way they do Texag's radio video production because they even though they are on the radio it is also a video thing that they do and they archive later um I, I randomly Googled podcast sets, and I discovered a podcast called Rooster Teeth. Um, now, some, some of you who are younger may have heard of Rooster Teeth. I, I won't bore you with the details. But their podcast set, as opposed to, as opposed to looking kind of like a TV studio, looked more like people sitting around talking on couches. And that's kind of the look I wanted to go for. And then finally, to, to get the ball rolling, I went to Kevin Jones, the Joba Design Group here in the Corporate Research Center. And I said, Kevin design me a podcast set and we went through the process with them I really like this is the second time we've done a design process with them and I really like the way they do things they're fun to work with and they have a really good process and he came up with some uh, some concepts for what it looks like it didn't quite come out looking like that Um, they had a really high-tech thing in the middle that you know when the rubber met the road and it was time to actually build the set it's just not something we were ready for yet so but we did get a lot of it kind of got the creative juices flowing with those guys and that's what that's all about and then um finally the last piece of the puzzle was our our programming firm um you know we had a we had a programmer that worked on our site for years and years and now he's formed a company called it's y-o-b-o i believe it's a it's a korean word i think and it's it's actually pronounced eobo and so they're called Yobo.dev now, and a couple of guys came down from their company and spent a week building this set. They worked their butts off. They were here every night till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. So yeah, you say congratulations to me, and eh, I didn't really do all that much work. You know, I was kind of around supervising. So that's the story, and we literally did not get the audio and video and streaming working properly till about 11 hours ago. No, 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 no. We got parts of it working 11 hours ago, and it's 10 o'clock in the morning now on August 26th, right? We got it working at about 9.55. <laughs> so uh, a lot of, lot of uh, credit goes to Malcolm also for getting some of the issues worked out with monitoring and streaming and, and getting the uh, audio going from our, our audio recorder into the video setup. So we're really pumped about this. Now, I will say this. The set, the way you see it, is not in its final form. Um, we're going to put some shelving and lighting on the sides. Lighting is an ongoing thing. It, need, it needs to look better and be lit better. We've got a big honking 65-inch TV hanging up in the middle of the back of this thing. And we're going to do a lot with that. Right now, it's just showing the Tech Sideline logo. But we, I envision a future where we're tossing tweets up there and talking about them and making fun of them or putting plays up there and talking about the plays. So... And also in the future, we're going to have multiple camera angles. Right now, anybody who's watching is just seeing the one center camera angle. I want to be able to cut to the side to show me, cut to that side to show, you know, Chris and Evan. So uh, that's, uh, I don't think I left anything out. We're really pumped. It, it costs mega bucks and mega time. And But this is this is really a, a change in the way we do things. You know, we're, we're really going to increase this part of our operation in the future. We're inventing the future. <laughs> I've heard that somewhere before. <laughs> we, well, over in the next room, we have a horse on a treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> Let me welcome aboard our managing editor, uh, Chris Coleman. CC, great to be back with you. Um, how was your summer, and what do you make of the, the podcast? Oh, wow. Well, the summer was good. Uh, I missed the trip to College Station, Texas, unfortunately, because 
Virginia Tech had all summer to schedule a Mike Young interview with the media, <laughs> and they did it on the one day we were scheduled to go to College Station. So I ended up staying behind to do the Mike Young interview while Will got to go to College Station. It's cool, though. We took, we took John Donna. He's with Yobo, and boy, John, I thought John's hair was going to catch on fire. He was so excited by everything they do at Tech Sags and all their processes for things. So we're, we're really looking to grow Tech Sideline in, in, in the coming years. Uh, I could talk on and on and on about that, but we're here to do a podcast and talk about Virginia Tech Athletics, so let's get going. Yep, let's get going, and, and I want to welcome again our listeners that we have on the podcast and then our viewers. We have multiple streaming options and multiple ways to listen, so wherever and however you're listening or watching, we're glad you're with us. A reminder that this week and every week, the TSL podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm, dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll-free at 1-800-680-7031 or email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Many thanks. They've been our sponsor for about 10 billion years now. And I'm sure they have defended more than 30,000 because we changed that number in say, April. It's probably up to 40. Yeah. <laughs> it just right. continues to I grow. Need, I need to ask Jonathan for an update. All right, guys, let's jump right into it. And we're going to change a little bit how we have done the podcast in the past. Typically, we did one big podcast. Today, we're going to focus strictly on the offseason. And then later in the week, we'll be discussing the, the Boston College game that opens up the tech season on Saturday. And that's going to be the pattern throughout the year is we're going to do a podcast on Monday that's kind of a look back and a podcast on Wednesday that is kind of previewing what's coming. Um, the the concept is that they'll be shorter than the ones we've done in the past. I'll, I'll bet they're not. <laughs> <laughs> we just have so much fun. We never want the podcast to uh, to end. But let's begin with the biggest news of the Virginia Tech football offseason, uh, and that is legendary defensive coordinator Coach Bud Foster announcing that he will retire following the 2019 season. Will, I'll start with you. Were you surprised by the announcement? No, Chris and I have been talking about this, and, and, and I'm sure we've talked about it on podcasts, that, that you know Bud's contract runs out at the end of the year. And we were to July, I believe. Yeah, actually, I think media day was August 1st. Yeah, right? sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. so um, it was pushing August, and Bud did not have a contract for uh, 2020 and beyond. So Chris and I got to talking about things, and and – we knew that one likely outcome was that Bud steps down at the end of the year. Um, I don't know on the list of possibilities. I don't know that I would have put that at the top, um, but we certainly thought it was a strong possibility. At the very least, it was maybe 60%. He signs a new extension and 40% he announces his retirement or something like that. And Chris might have a, have a different opinion on that. Um, but no, that was, that was not a complete surprise. Um, I think for the players, uh, you know, Chris, you talked to players that day. Did you think they were they were surprised? Uh, I think they probably were. Uh, I don't th- think players really maybe think as deeply about stuff like that, or young people in general yeah. think as deeply about stuff like that as, they probably as you and know, I do. They didn't even know the contract situation or any of that. Or stuff. maybe they didn't, or maybe they did. Yeah. It depends on how young the players are, because I know the contract situation was really hurting Virginia Tech and recruiting defensive players this year. Yeah. Um, because and, and we we know for a fact that opposing teams were using that uh, yes, are, not yes. were are, are using that against Virginia Tech. Correct. And now they probably just changed their narrative to 
hey, all you know is your defense coordinator next year isn't going to be Bud Foster. You don't even know who it is. Right. So, anyway, go sure. ahead. Sure. Yeah, so uh, I, I think I wasn't surprised. I don't know what I would have put the percentages. Uh, you know, there were a couple of possible – or a few possible outcomes that day. No announcement gets made at all, and we continue to wait and wait and wait, and nobody likes that. You know, it just causes bickering among the fan base, and, and, and nobody likes uncertainty. Um an extension could have been announced or retirement could have been announced. Those are really the only three options. Um, I kind of thought there would be an extension announced, um, but I'm not surprised by, Even by the retirement. Even if it was a phantom extension. Yeah, but, but Bud, I, from a business standpoint, yes. Uh, from a human standpoint, no. Uh, I don't think he was ever interested in that. Uh, I, I've heard he was really, really bothered him this summer when he was recruiting players and he had to sit the, those guys down and tell them, oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry, I'm going to be your defensive coordinator, blah, 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 knowing in the back of his mind that that might not be the case. Yeah. And it really bothered him that he told Dax Holyfield during Dax's recruitment, well, you know, I'm recruiting you, and then when your career's over, I'm going to ride off into the sunset. That's pretty much what he told him. But that isn't entirely untrue now. That's not entirely yeah. because, untrue. Because he's but, only going to be D.C. But, through the end of the year. Correct, but I've heard that he feels awful about it, though. Really? Yes. Wow. Heard that he feels terrible about it. Well, I, I, I think to the players it's him. It's well, it's, it's different because he is Dax's position coach. Correct. Oh, right. That's a good point. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know that the – I'm sure there was some surprise there. Um, yeah. But I don't think there's uh, I don't I don't think guys uh, took it the wrong way. Players are so resilient. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, and and ultimately, I, I think the most of them do realize that stuff like this can happen anywhere. Um, but you know, when you look at Bud's life, everything that's happened to him in the last year, you know, his divorce, he remarried, uh, he had knee replacement surgery, uh, whatever illness he had towards the end of last season that forced him to coach from the booth. And then on top of that, right after all that happens to him, he turns 60 years old. So you have all those changes, and, and you reach that point, and you're probably like, man, should I really keep doing this? I mean, certain it, parts hard. of the year where it's I'm hard. working 14, 16 hours a day, seven days a week, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, not, that, that's, not the, that's not a healthy life for anybody of any age, much less somebody who just turned 60 years old. And, and I, think, I think from a timing standpoint, he, uh, he saw how – Frank Beamer's retirement was handled. And, uh, you know, when Frank decided he wanted to retire, you know, he didn't string it out any further. But, honestly, you know, the fan base was talking about it a couple of years before that. Yeah. And, uh, and Frank said when he retired, he said, honestly, one of the reasons I'm doing this because I got tired of seeing Hokies argue with Hokies over the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, I think Bud learned from that and, and said, I don't want to drag this thing out. So, so on, on the on the subject of Dax, for those of you that might be thinking, oh, Dax is going to leave now that Bud's not. No, um, Dax. Uh, Dax said something that day. Dax said, "This is the man who helped me make the best decision of my life." In other words, coming to Virginia Tech. Um, Dax, Dax is here. He was recruited by Bud. He has, in in the year that he's been here, he's fallen in love with Virginia Tech and being a Hokie. And so, Dax isn't going anywhere. So, don't worry about that. Well, you bring up Coach Beamer, and I think one thing that's similar about the two and fitting, I think for Hokie fans that can, can agree, is that both get to go out on their own terms. And I'm sure that's something that's, that was something that was said by Coach Foster when he retired. He, it's his decision, and I, I'm, to put what he's put into Virginia Tech, I'm sure for him to get to decide when he goes, that, that, that's, 
a, a nice thing for him. It's a rare thing. You know, it's a very rare thing with Frank. It's a rare thing with Bud. Even with legends. I mean, look what happened at Florida State when you had a similar pairing of Bobby Bowden, head coach, and who was their defensive coordinator? Uh, well, um, was Amato offensive or defensive? Amato. Uh, Mark Richt was his offense coordinator, and Chuck uh, Amato was his defense coordinator. No, 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 no. Oh, wow. Mickey, Mickey Andrews. Andrews. Yeah, Amato yeah. was just a position coach uh, that somehow got the NC State job. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you're uh, right. It was yeah. Mickey Andrews. Mickey Andrews. Uh, and they were together for a long, long time. And, you know, Mickey stuck with that same defense for years and years, and it kind of got outdated. And, uh, you know, when Bud's defense got outdated to a certain extent in the early 2000s, he changed it. He changed the scheme, flipped to a more traditional two-safety look, and uh, really adapted, and, and Virginia Tech's defense got back to being dominant. And Mickey Andrews never really adapted. No, and he kept running the same thing. Kept they running they the really same. started to get I mean, I, I remember our 2007 game with them in Lane Stadium, and they matched up man coverage across the board against us, and our receivers just trashed them. Well, I, I remember, just, uh, gosh, I remember the 2006 season. Wasn't that was that the year that Wake Forest won the Atlantic? Um, yes. Also, yeah. Wake Forest rolled down to Tallahassee and, and I think beat Florida State 30 to nothing. 30 to nothing. And, and right. that, that was when you were kind of like, man, what's right. wrong here? Uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, Bobby Bowden stayed too long and essentially got fired. Yeah. He, he did, retired, he, but he was told to retire. Yeah. Uh, Mickey Andrews. Stayed way too long, never adjusted, and, you know, basically went down with the ship. And I don't remember the details, but Mickey had some pretty serious stuff going on in his personal life, too, with his family. I don't remember the details, but there was something. Um, Somebody was very ill in his family. Right, so those two guys, legends at Florida State, they went out very poorly. Yeah. And uh, what's happened at Virginia Tech is extremely unique. You just don't see that anywhere else. Absolutely. What, um, let me ask you this, what kind of impact can Coach Foster announcing his retirement in early August? You guys saw the reaction of the players. What kind of impact, if any at all, does it have, especially on the defense? I think it probably gave an initial impact in practice for the first few days, but emotions not is not something that's constant. You know, it, it's it's got to be managed. You know, Buzz. Yeah, we, we talk about this all the time. You know, Buzz yeah. Williams always talked about physical tank, mental tank, and emotional tank, and how you manage all those things. And he was a, a genius at it um but you can't expect your players especially in football it's such a physical sport to be at their emotional peak every single day and every single play um it's it's about a man it's about managing that so i I think it gives a boost to a certain extent but uh unless you've i don't think I don't think it's something that's going to be there every single game or every single play. Uh, still, the, mo- the most important thing is still going to come down to talent and experience and game planning and things like that. Yeah. You know, it, it could potentially give a boost at the end of the season. You know, when you get into that Wake Forest game when he's honored that day and when you get into the Pitt game, which will be his final home game. Or the- I, I think one of the great tragedies at the end of Frank's career is that they lost his last home game. Sure. To, to UNC, no less. Right. You know, they had the cool black uniforms that day, and mm-hmm. and I know the guys play hard. They played hard. They just didn't have what it took. And, right. And and I think with Wake Forest, that'll be different this year. Yeah. Well, and that'll be the day that they honor Bud, but that won't be his last That's home game. That's not the final. That's game. the pit That's right. game, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that so to to educate the fans, the uh, the Duke game is going to be. Uh, oh, I don't remember what that is, but the Wake Forest game, which is the next to last home game is going to be uh, honoring Bud. And then Pittsburgh, which is the last home game, is going to be honoring the seniors. They decided to do it that way. Right. I think that's the right way to do it. 
All four seniors. It's going to be the shortest. They're still here. I, I mean, uh, <laughs> last year, six seniors, and you thought that was the smallest senior class that you've ever seen. Yeah. And this year is even smaller. Yeah. We're continuing on the Tech Sideline Podcast. It's good to be back and recording, whether you're streaming or you're listening. We're glad you're with us. It's been nearly four months since our last one. We're excited about the 2019-2020 school year, and we are continuing to recap the offseason for Virginia Tech. Let's move away from Coach Foster to some other news that I'm sure Hokie Nation has been talking about on the message boards and social media, and that is Ryan Willis named the, the starting quarterback for this season. Clearly, when we talked after the spring game on the podcast, the, the, the consensus amongst us was this was Ryan Willis's team, and, and this was his job. So I'll start with you, Chris. Were you surprised that he won the job, and were there anybody that really challenged him? Was there anyone who really challenged him for that starting yeah, quarterback I mean, job? You, you hear different accounts of that. I, I personally don't think so. Um, I think the guys behind him got better, but I don't think anybody seriously challenged him. Uh, and, and by the way, let me point out that within an hour of this podcast, the official depth chart is going to be released by Virginia Tech. So we're going to talk about some things today that might not necessarily be accurate. I, th- I think right we should this avoid pod- talking about the offensive line for one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know what's going to happen there. But uh, at any rate, um, I, I think Fuente was ready to have his quarterback back. You know, when you, when you look, he recruited Gerard Evans in his first year at Virginia Tech, and Gerard was supposed to come back for his senior season and foolishly did not, as has been discussed well before. Yeah. Well documented. Mm-hmm. And then Jackson starts as a redshirt freshman, and then he's back for his redshirt sophomore year. Then he breaks his foot against Old Dominion and is out for the season and then transfers. And so now Willis starts the final 10 games of the season. He's back as a starter. I don't think Fuente wanted to basically start over for the fourth year in a row. Yeah, Yeah. that's not a recipe for success. Correct. Um, So I I think he's content to let uh, those young young quarterbacks marinate, or however you want to phrase it, behind Willis. Um, Willis obviously brings a lot of strength to the table. He's got a big arm. He's got to get better at his RPOs and his read options and everything like that, of course. But but I think at this point, after a year of evaluating him, evaluating him an off-season of, of probably putting a lot of thought into, okay, what's the offense going to look like now that Willis is the quarterback? Because think about Willis and Jackson. The offense has got to be different for both of those guys because they have different strengths. You're not quite you're throwing quite as many deep balls and fades like that with Josh Jackson as as you are with Ryan Willis, but you want to put more on Jackson from an RPO read option standpoint because he's really good at or he's, he was better at diagnosing those plays and, and 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 making the right call and the right decisions and things like that. So I, I think while, while last season the coaching staff prepared for Josh Jackson to be the quarterback and maybe set their offense up that way. Um, This year they spent the offseason probably thinking, okay, Willis is most likely going to be the starter. Here's what the offense is most likely going to look like. And I think the competition went longer this year because they announced it so quickly last year, if you recall. Yeah, it was pretty much at the beginning of camp. Right. right. Uh, You remember when Gerard Evans was named the starter? It was was late. It was late. Um, And then when Jackson was named the starter, it was early. Mm-hmm. Um, both both years, it was it was early, yeah. and and I think Fuente 
probably decided that by announcing it so early, some of the other quarterbacks, you know, maybe checked out a little bit mentally. Uh, maybe maybe Ryan Willis wasn't as good as he could have been last year if he had been. So it was Damon Hazelton that made a comment during uh, media day. He said something like, yeah, um, Ryan's studying film more this time of year than he did last year. Because he knows he's going to be the starter. Exactly. You know, right. so, um, you know, um, I don't want to cast dispersions or anything like that. It's, it's human nature. It's human nature, yeah. The coach tells you, be ready. You, you could be st- – you're one play away from starting. Uh, guess and what? It's probably not going to happen. <laughs> but, but, but then sometimes it does and you're not ready. Right. It's, uh, so, so I think he probably he probably was working harder on that kind of thing. You know? Sure, sure. So, um, so you want to keep guys like Hendon Hooker and Quincy Patterson involved or mentally involved as long as possible. Right? Yeah. yeah. So so regarding, you know, apparently Hendon Hooker's had a really good camp and has really made a lot of progress. And, uh, you know, everybody always wants to talk about Quincy Patterson. And, you know, the issue with Quincy, we are told, is consistency in passing. Mm-hmm. And course we're not allowed to observe practice but we 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 did get into a few they did allow the media into a few early sessions of two practices and i remember watching uh uh i didn't sit there and stare at quincy the whole time but i do like to watch him and see how he's doing and so they're running the pascals and and he's throwing some good balls and i did see one that came off of his hand and was wobbly and way off target and so he'll go boom, 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 and he'll throw three or four darts, and then he'll throw a thing like I would throw in the backyard. <laughs> and, and apparently that's part of what's going on with Quincy. I, I don't know how much of it is picking the game up mentally, but I know physically he's inconsistent, and I've seen it. Well, I, and I, I want to continue to point out about Quincy Patterson that he only threw 70 passes as a senior in high school. Okay, Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, he threw, threw more passes as a freshman in high school than Quincy Patterson threw his entire high school career combined. Yeah. And in a much different offense, I mean, Quincy played in a very simple offense, limited passing game. He was basically a running back playing quarterback at the high school level. Um, As we so, have pointed out, now he many has a times. he has a high high ceiling, but he started at a lower floor than most other quarterbacks who were ranked about the same. Uh, now, now, and let's let's also recognize this: that Quincy Patterson in the two four seven composite rankings was ranked two hundred seventy fifth in the country. And then Hooker was ranked 337. There's relatively little difference between yeah, the two. Yeah. Now, Quincy came in with more hype um, because of his physical stature. Well, and he was Elite 11 guy. Right, right. But Trent Dilfer said that cr- stuff Correct. About him. But, you know, from a rating standpoint and an offer list standpoint, there's basically no difference between those two players except that Hendon Hooker has one more year in the system than Quincy Patterson. Well, so. is it okay that Quincy Patterson is not starting? I thought you were going to ask me, is it okay to say that Quincy Patterson's a bust? Because if you come on Twitter and you say that, and you come on our boards, I just I want to climb through the computer scheme when I see people say yeah, that. The, yeah. the guy's so talented. I mean, he's yes, it's okay that he's not starting. You know, I like that they that they've got a, a starter with some experience in, in Ryan Willis. They've got a guy in Hendon Hooker who's gone into the transfer portal, come back out. He managed that whole process very well. Great um, statement he put out. Remember we were on the air and yeah. uh, apologized. So and There's there's no residual bad juju from what Hendon did. Continuing on the Tech Sideline podcast, our first one of the 2019-2020 school year, and we are getting ready for Boston College on Saturday. We'll be talking about that a little bit later. We continue on to talk about the offseason. Uh, rounding out the quarterbacks with this, there was a lot of – noise at least that I felt like about Braxton Burmeister and if he was eligible how would that change things 
Chris, if he was eligible, what would that depth chart, in your opinion, look like right now? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say um, because he's so new to the system, of course. He, he wasn't here in the spring. Um, can, how, how, can you really pick up a system in a month? Uh, I just I don't know a lot about his background and, and how the offense he played at in at Oregon compares to this offense. I think he would have been there, been in the mix, but uh, – Ultimately, I, I don't think I would have felt comfortable with him out there going out, going in there cold with just a month in the system. Now, granted, Gerard Evans did it. Gerard Evans showed up at Virginia Tech, right? Or, or was Gerard here for the spring? I don't remember. I don't recall either. I, just, I, I think I think Gerard was here for the spring. Uh, but still, the offense he ran was fairly simple, and it was it was his physical abilities and his his ability as a competitor correct. that really set him apart. Right, right. So it was a different different style of offense with him because he had different strengths. I think he would have been up there. Burmeister. Yeah, Burmeister, yeah. but I'm not sure I would have felt comfortable. Yeah, the film on him is so limited, you know, there's uh, not a whole lot of it. Man, what stinks about being on TV now is when you really have to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so, Chris, I'll ask you this now. Looking away from the quarterbacks, who are some some names that have stood out to you? What have you been hearing about some guys that have been maybe flying under the radar, have had really good camps leading up uh, to the uh, season Offensively? Uh, or defensively. Or defense. Just names yeah, overall. Okay. I would um, say Chamari Connor. You think? Yeah, Ch- Chamari Connor is one of those guys, I think. I, I think there were – obviously there were a lot of issues on the defensive side of the ball for Virginia Tech last year. Some of it – most of it was an experience thing. Um there were a few spots though where it was a, a talent thing to a certain extent, and I think Virginia Tech has upgraded uh, their talent level. I think they've upgraded their talent level at WIP. I, I think Khalil Ladler, he, he did well the year before as a free safety. I think he's a better player than he showed last year because like the other safeties and, and WIPs, he had a coach that wasn't here for <clears> spring <throat> practice. It wasn't fair to him, wasn't fair yeah, to everybody. That, that, that was just a bad, bad year for the right, safeties because right. of that coaching situation. Right, exactly. And, and that's uh, been fixed by Justin that, Hamilton. By having a coach who's actually been in the system and everything like that uh, and was here for spring practice. But so that, I'm, not trying, I'm not trying to blast Ladler or anything, but I do think Connor is a physical upgrade. Uh, I think whoever starts at cornerback opposite Caleb Farley, which sounds like it's going to be Jermaine Waller, I think whoever starts there is going to be a physical upgrade over Bryce Watts. <laughs> so do I. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, Br- Br- Bryce played hard. He showed his toughness last year by bl- playing yeah, through that broken yeah, forearm. I forearm. Laugh. Uh, but his upside was limited from a physical standpoint. Um, and, and I think so, I think there will be an upgrade there. I think the fact that Nathan Proctor transferred shows you that there's been an upgraded defensive end. Nathan Proctor had to play 98 snaps on defense last year, and this year he's Virginia Tech's sixth or seventh option at defensive end. Um, and he had three tackles last year, is that right? Something like that, yeah. yeah um, that, that, now, that. And the thing about him is he's a really good athlete. The long-term potential is there. He's but a big he, guy who can run. But, but at the same time, he needed to make that move early in his career because, you, you know, you need reps. And uh, if he wasn't going to be in the playing rotation, his reps were going to be extremely limited, uh, maybe even, you know, scout team running the other team's defense. Yeah. But And if he's been passed by younger players, he's been passed by a linebacker who's the same age who just moved to defensive end <laughs> this August. So uh, Jalen Griffin. Jalen Griffin, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, I, 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 to me, I, I think that's a sign that things are moving forward. Don't expect Dominant to play, though, because, quite frankly, he got passed by redshirt freshman. Yeah. 
So Virginia Tech is going to be relying on, like last year, a lot of freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. So who, so who else? Nick, Nick Gallo is getting Gallo, yeah. rave reviews. He is. And, and Kashawn King. So let's talk about those Yeah, so guys. we've heard Virginia Tech coaching staff feels like they have three NFL tight ends. And uh, the, with the third being true freshman, Nick Gallo, who could play a role this year. Or he could redshirt, depending on how they feel about Drake. Adulius and all that, but I, I would anticipate Gallo playing. They, they think he's physically capable of playing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, and, he, and he's something <clears throat> different. You know, James Mitchell's going to be a tight, a tight end in the Bucky Hodges role. I he's think. apparently been practicing a lot. Oh, he's basically uh, lined up as a receiver. As a receiver. And, he, you know, he scored his touchdown in the spring game, split out in the slot. Uh, Dalton Keene is a guy who's your H-back role, kind of your Sam Rogers without the handoffs. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly how they'll use Gallo, uh, but from a physical standpoint, he's more like Jeff King than yeah, those other say, two Yeah, don't you guys. think he's more of an inline he, blocker? He's more, more of a Jeff King, Ryan Mallett type. really good hands. Yeah. So, um. so to me, looking on, uh, this is a question that I had on here, was on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. I'll ask you guys this. How excited are you for this tight end group? Because to me, when you look at great tight ends that Virginia Tech is at, it's been a while when since Virginia Tech has had the complete tight end room. Like you're just saying, the, the H-back, the Bucky Hodges. the it, So on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you guys with the tight ends? Uh, very, very excited. 10 for sure, but you got to understand that I know everybody's going to say, oh, throw the ball to the tight end more. But every time you throw the ball to the tight end, you're not throwing it to Trey Turner. So then fans are going to say, oh, you need to throw it to Trey Turner. Well, there's only so many plays that get run in the right, game, people. Right. Right. For one thing, had an NFL tight end at Memphis that caught like 30 passes. That's just, 30 know. passes is a lot is a lot for a tight end. Uh, d- depending, on the, depending on how good your receivers o- are. And some offenses um, will really load up on the tight end, but – Traditionally, Virginia Tech. I think Jeff King caught twenty five passes as a senior, and that that was a ton for back, back then. then. Yeah, yeah, that was a ton, and that was the that was the last time I think that I, I would say Virginia Tech had a deep tight end group because uh, Jared Mazetta was the backup, and Mazetta was a good player too. Yeah. So I, I like the versatility. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how James Mitchell is as an as an inline blocker. Well, he's not he's not going to be used that way. We don't well, even use. We don't use any tight ends that See, way. See, that's the point I'm making, though. So I, I would love to have the guy who can do it all. That way, when he comes in the game, you're not sure exactly how to respond with personnel. Do I, do I need to bring a guy down that's going to be on him on the line, or do mm-hmm. I need to bring in somebody who can split out with him in the slot or maybe even out wide? Was Greg Boone that kind of way? All, all around tight end. <laughs> what was Greg Boone? <laughs> I, no, Greg Boone was too big to line up on the outside. Uh, we, maybe we did it a few times, but that was just because back then we didn't really have any good receivers. He, he, and he, so, he almost got uh, he almost got Tyrod killed one time, right? I don't. They know. they ran Boone in the Wildcat and had him throw a pass, and he lobbed something up in the air. In the, like, oh, no, I remember conference. he threw one during the UVA game one year. I think I guess it was the 2008 game that almost landed in the East stands. Yeah, I mean just. He had an arm, but I tell you what, Greg Boone's high school film was sick. Well, he was a quarterback in high school, wasn't he? It, it was like watching a six foot five man play against a bunch of eighth graders. Oh, yeah. he was he, he was golly Ned. No wonder he was so highly rated. Tech has had a lot of great tight ends in the past, and again, this will be an exciting position group to watch over the course of the season with those three uh, tight ends, Mitchell and um, Mitchell. Again, was a guy out of the spring game when we did the podcast. I, I believe we actually set MVPs for the spring game, and, and James Mitchell was one of the choices from you, too. He, he stood yeah. out that much. Yeah, he was, he was very good. Uh, but you got to remember that he's a true sophomore. 
He's a true sophomore. Uh, he is not nowhere close to his physical peak yet. He's had one year in the weight room. Yeah, see, these t- this group, if all three of them stay, they're going to be together for three years, right? Uh, uh, well, two. Because Keen's a jun- junior. junior. Yeah, this Keen's year. only He'd be a senior. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. Man, it goes by fast. Yeah, it does. So as this is the point of the podcast, we'll kind of throw it around different position groups. Let's stay on the offensive side of the ball. And I want to talk about the offensive line. I know there are a lot of moving parts. And like we said earlier, the depth chart could be released just after this podcast is over. It so will that be. Could yeah, change. It's currently 1045, and, and when does the media opportunity 1145. 11.45. So we're an hour away. You'll see tweets about 11.30 sharing the right. depth chart yeah, news and stuff. Hand it out. Hand it out. Oh, so, by the way, I want to say, uh, Malcolm, keep an eye on uh, Facebook Live for us. Let us know if anybody's asking any good questions or has any good feedback, and we'll come to you here in a bit. So go ahead, Evan. Um, about the offensive line, there's been a lot of hype, of course, about the recruiting class that has come in. We've talked about that in previous podcasts. But to me, the X factor, a lot of the chatter, is about Brock Hoffman. How different does this offensive line look if he is deemed eligible? I think he's a more physical player than Virginia Tech has at center as far as their other options go. I think he's just a naturally stronger person at the point of attack. So to me, it's it's important to get him cleared and and I recognize maybe that by the time people watch this later in the afternoon maybe we'll have news of that we should have news of that it's game week by now uh, but, so, but who knows but I, I think uh, so Virginia Tech recruited Hoffman yeah uh, well they, they evaluated they evaluated him out of high school did not offer uh, he was like most offensive linemen he was tough to evaluate a uh, big guy maybe uh, maybe where he was at uh, in North Carolina uh, wasn't going against quite the level of competition where you can get a good evaluation. On and then he goes to Coastal Carolina. And he's, starts he's as a apparently true very good. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, you watch tape of him of Coastal Carolina playing South Carolina, and he looks like he can very much hold up at this level. Right. And that was even when he was a younger player. So, yeah, I, I think he would definitely start for Virginia Tech. I, I do worry if he's not cleared. Um, there's some rumors that, that, that Zachariah Hoyt, who would be the other center, that he was a little banged up last week. And – if he couldn't play against Boston College, that means redshirt freshman John Harris. I was going to say is, John is, Harris is, is, is your the starting next center, option, so right. you're down to your third string center against uh, against the Boston College front. That yeah, they, they lost some defensive linemen, but it's still a big physical front, and you want your biggest, most physical lineman out there against a team like this. Now, I did see earlier it went away, but there was a comment on the Facebook somebody asking, "Do you think?" that the coaches know something regarding his eligibility as a transfer. No, and that's I don't the reason that, he's no. practicing so much no. at this point. No. no. I think if they knew something, they would have announced it. Uh, I think they're practicing him in, in the hopes that he's their starting center. Um, I, uh, because I think if they do – if you announce it that uh, – or, or if, if you – I don't know. If, if you don't practice him and then he's eligible – there's no right or wrong way to handle the situation. It's an awful situation. It's typical NCAA. I get that they've got all a stack of papers that high or whatever. Premier River, you're a multi-million, Correct. multi, exactly. multi, multi-million organization. You should hire some people. You should have the staff to to handle. Now this, I'll absolutely. ask you this, and I know we. Don't hey, so now wait a minute. If it was Alabama, they'd hire five million staffers to deal with this problem. Right. <laughs> well said. There right? you have it. Um, now, I know we don't know the answer to this question, but I'll ask this as a possibility. Is there a chance 
like we saw with the Landers Nolly situation last year, in a sense that there was no answer even after the season started. Is there a chance Brock Hoffman will Dude, not know his fate by out. Saturday? I don't. I don't know. I, <laughs> right. I, I knew that's where, but I guess there is technically a chance. There, there, there's so many transfers these days. I, I don't know if there's any. And I don't study what happens with other programs as much because right. I'm so busy focused on Tech's program. I don't know if there's any examples of that from other programs or not. Right. Uh, Landers Nolly was an academic situation. This is not an academic. It's a transfer. So there, there's so to me, I, I don't see any way that this should drag on. And and if it does, it's it's the NCAA's fault at this point. All right. Well, it's, uh, we we mentioned a name earlier that I wanted to revisit, and we'll kind of round out the offense. Kashawn King. Kashawn yeah. King. And the running back room. I want to give CC some credit here because he highlighted Kashawn King about six to seven months ago. I can remember on the podcast. You were high on this guy right from the get-go. How is he shaping out in the running back room, and how does that look as a whole right He's, he's the most likely to make a big play. Um, and that's been missing. From and that's that's certainly been missing. Yeah. Um, he can make you miss and then run away he, from you. He's right? also probably, as a true freshman, not used to pass blocking. He's also probably the most likely to get your quarterback killed. He's also so, probably most likely to get injured by college age men. Right. Who? Yeah. Exactly. So you've got to got to determine how you want to use him, how much you want to use him this early. Um, but yeah, he's got a lot of potential. He's definitely going to be one of the top three running backs on this team. Uh, I think as the year goes by, he'll steadily get more playing time uh they'll expand his package so to speak I, I think one way to use him early is you give him the terrius wheatley role from last year is that end around guy yeah um i thought wheatley was good in that role last year but i think i think king would be more suitable for it he's I, more likely to turn it into a big play so we were talking about this on the message board one day and i said something that i know football coaches wouldn't do uh <laughs> coaches are just if they think a guy can and this is my take if they think a guy can play they're gonna put him out there me, I'm looking at him thinking, Chris, do you remember what he's what he's listed at? Uh, 183. 183. 182, um, something like that. He is – he's still a, a little bit more than a high school boy. I would not put him out there for a lot of snaps. I would use him judiciously. Um, kind of see how he's coming along, maybe spring him at advantageous times here and there. Uh, I'd, I'd be a little bit more measured with him, and maybe that's the way Fuente and Cornelson will play it. But uh, I don't know. I think he's shown enough promise that uh, I, I just I just don't want a uh, can't find the I just don't want the situation where he's really good in the first game and he just gets dinged up quickly because right. he's so young mm-hmm. and and just isn't full speed until the bowl game when he's suddenly healthy again. And then you and it's basically a wasted year. Kind of because, because say that's you could have just redshirted him, right? And yeah, is it fair to say that's the Deshaun McLeese situation where he's really not 100%? You know, Deshaun McLeese, McLeese looks good the first game of the season and then the last game of the season, and he's hurt in the 10 or 11 games you know, in between because he's so small. Now, King's bigger than Deshaun McLeese. Wow. He's not listed bigger, but he's bigger. Yeah. Um, Deshaun McLeese has the tiniest legs of any college football player I've ever seen. I don't understand how he's listed at 190 pounds. I don't understand how well, he that, was listed at 197 last year. That's because I didn't play college football. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah. But I, th- I think McLeese is is 
in a better position, or excuse me, uh, King is in a better position than McLeese as far as so we'll a size and durability standpoint. But but he opinion. does sound like that guy who can really bring something dynamic to the offense and make big plays from the running back position. Yeah, I know a staff member told me, you know, everybody wanted Devin Ford because he's an in-state recruit and everything like that. And the staff was disappointed that they did not get Devin Ford. So they moved on and started looking at other targets. And, and this staff member told me, Right around signing day, he's like, man, I, th- I think we got lucky and upgraded at, at tailback well, from, from from Devin Ford to Kashawn King. Ford is a guy who had good highlights in ninth or tenth grade. Uh, his highlights st- stayed good, but and he, but he's more uh, he's bigger. Yeah. So you don't have to you don't worry about the injury factor early in his career. Like I think he looked good early. Right, right, you right, know, uh, King uh, King has a higher ceiling. I would th- I think so. Yeah, 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 I agree with that. Um. And the name that gets a lot of love here as of late has been Jalen Holston in the running back room. I mean, Coach Justin Fuente has been very high on him in the offseason that he has had. You've heard that he could potentially be a feature back, not just a power back, so to speak, like a Stephen Peoples. Is he the the guy in the running back room right now, CeCe? He's the guy I would start against Boston College. That's that's my personal opinion. Um, I, he had his first healthy offseason. Um, he's always been hurt in the offseason in the past. He didn't get the red shirt. He's another guy who should have red shirted, but our depth was so awful when Fuente took over that we couldn't red shirt him because uh, he was a guy that played in basically the you know a Georgia Tech type offense in high school or, or a wing T offense where he was that B back. He was the fullback. He played right behind the quarterback with his hand in the ground. A completely different role. Completely different running style. Completely different running plays. Man blocking instead of zone blocking. Uh, so it was a difficult adjustment for him when he first came in. Uh, that was less of an excuse last year, and starting this year it won't be an excuse at all anymore. But it's, he's one of those guys you wish he was a redshirt sophomore right now instead of a, a true junior. And there, there's a lot of guys you can say that about. Dalton Keene was a guy that should have been redshirted um, because he was a high school tailback. He had literally never played tight end until he got to Virginia Tech, and then he started as a tight end in his first game, which shows you how awful the recruiting was towards the end, or before Fuente got here, um, if, if the end of that era, uh, just for various reasons that we've already discussed. But there was no, uh, no depth in this program, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and Virginia Tech had to play a bunch of guys that they otherwise would have redshirted. Sean Savoy also started in the slot as a true freshman at Virginia Tech, and then he got moved to cornerback at Maryland <laughs> so I mean Virginia Tech I mean they were putting guys out there on the field uh, that year and somehow still won nine games and putting guys out there on the field who at other programs would have been red if you have received a DUI or other traffic related offense the road ahead can seem uncertain your official law firm we have a team that is with you every step of the way we have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Continuing on talking about how uh, the offseason has transpired for Virginia Tech football and think for the most part we covered hey one other thing you got to look at my twitter profile and read those music lyrics did you update it yeah i had, I had like two or three different lyrics through the summer so you, i want you to go there and read it right now you want to do it right now okay yeah so pull it up um or i can read it to you i'll I tell you what i'll read it to you the lyric is 
I dream of cherry pies, candy bars, and chocolate chip cookies. What song is that from? Who is that and what song is it? All right, so Malcolm, you let us know if, if anybody answers that on Facebook or, you know, Evan, you can keep an eye on it too. Absolutely. So, sorry to interrupt, but, nope, we, nope. but we needed to do something fun. We did. It's been all X's and O's and, uh, and football talk here. Again, we've got Will Stewart, Chris Coleman. I'm Evan Hughes. We're glad you're with us. The first podcast of the school year, whether you're listening or watching. We are so glad that you all are with us. Let's. We, trans- we are so glad we got the setup going. <laughs> that was... That it was, was uh, t- tip of the cap to Will and Chris for getting here late last night and, uh, and working hard on that. Let's move now from offense to defense because I think we covered just about everything on um, on offense. I'll start with this defensively in the uh, the defensive backs. I, one one name that continues to come up in the offseason that I heard a lot about was Caleb Farley. We talked about a couple others. Who and who's standing out in that group? And will the secondary? be better than it was in 2018. It can't help but be better for yeah. so many different reasons. Like I said, I think they upgraded, you know, we'll consider the whip to be a defensive back spot because they're coached by the safeties coach. I think they physically upgraded at two of the five spots. As far as safeties go, the Galen Scott situation just caused such a ripple effect. Uh, you know, that he got fired or resigned uh, after spring practice. So they had to hire a new coach from outside the program in June who didn't know his personnel, who didn't get to go through spring practice and learn the defensive system or his personnel. And to top it off, within a week or so of him getting hired, his best player, Mook Reynolds, gets charged with a felony and, and kicked off the team. So it's just, just a bad situation for everybody involved. And that, that includes Tyrone Nix. I mean, the situation he came into made him look like a worse coach yeah, than, so, than so he Everybody is. talks about all the injuries and attrition and youth from last year. And I know Chris has been beating the Tyrone Nix drum, but that's not really talked about on the whole. No. How, how, and, 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 and I know that we knew it was an issue, but it, it really – when you hear the players talk about Justin Hamilton and, um, and you really start to think about it, that's when you realize what a mess the Tyrone Nix situation was. And it wasn't like, in my opinion, it wasn't like Nix landed here on both feet and gave it his best shot and really loved it. And, and threw himself into it 100%. I don't think that was the case. I think that was very much uh, wound up being a hire to get us through the season so we can have nine or ten coaches or whatever it is. And I, I think I think that's a worse situation than we all thought. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, we'll look at the three players he coached, Khalil Ladler, Divine Diablo, Reggie Floyd. They were all worse last year than they had been the year before. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I don't like the way that sounds, but it's true. You know, I, I, I watched a lot of film and guys running free in the secondary, and, and I saw some things from Reggie that, you know, and I don't want to single Reggie out, but Reggie's a better player than some of the stuff I saw last year. Sure, Reggie made some plays, but I think he's a better player than what we saw last year, and I think you'll see that again this year. I think he'll return to form and be a better player. Right, and we're not saying that – Tyrone Nix is a bad coach or anything like that. It's just, it, was, it was an awful situation. Yeah. An awful situation. And then you combine that with playing so many freshmen at the other spots. And, and now, Tyrone, Tyrone wasn't even coaching when Tech picked him up. He was an analyst for somebody. Like A&M. Yeah. 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 So. And, and now I believe he just went back to coach with his brother right. at Ole Miss. Yeah, I think you're – yes, that's right. And uh, for the, as far as the rest of the secondary goes, uh, Caleb Farley. you got to think about what Caleb Farley – he was not supposed to be starting last year. The starting cornerbacks are supposed to be Jeremy Webb and Adonis Alexander. And Adonis Alexander couldn't stay academically eligible. 
and Jeremy Webb ruptured his his, his Achilles twice. <laughs> so uh, Farley was a guy in high school who, if you look up at stats, made 16 tackles. He basically never played cornerback until he got to Virginia Tech. And then his redshirt year was spent rehabbing a torn ACL. So when Virginia Tech threw him out there on the field last year, they were basically throwing a guy out there who had never played defense before, and he had to start. I mean, that, that's just ridiculous uh, that, that he had to be put into that situation. Combination of ridiculous and bad luck. And, and one, of the, one of the more iffy aspects of his game is tackling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we talked about this on the boards the other day. I watched Miami and uh, – <clears throat> excuse me, Miami and Florida the other night. Great game. Yeah. Well, it was a great – it wasn't well played. It wasn't, <laughs> I was saying that was, was a little bit of sarcasm. It was, uh, a, it was a competitive game and exciting up to the end. I thought uh, – and I said this on the boards. I thought Herb Street went a little over the line at one point. Um, one of Miami's players broke free into the secondary. Florida missed a couple tackles. And Herbie started questioning the want-to of one of Florida's defenders. Dude, here's my take on that. Tackling is, is becoming a lost art because it's not practiced. Right. Okay, they, they don't tackle to the ground as much as they used to in practice. Hardly any, actually. You'll have a few scrimmages here and there. So um, it's something guys don't practice, and so they're not as good at it as they used to be, particularly early in the season. You're not used to tackling people and tackling them to the ground. So I, I think to question somebody's want to is – over the line a little bit. Now, Herbie played, what, early 1990s or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a different era, right. you know. Oh, and, yeah. and I don't know that it's sunk in on him how much practices have changed. Uh, yeah, I have former players tell me they – I don't think they pay a lot of attention to other schools, but when I tell them, yeah, Virginia Tech, they don't tackle to the ground even in middle drill anymore that much. You know, they, they get appalled and, and – and, and talk about how brutal and physical the practices were back then. And well, players are a lot bigger now. I mean, back then, I mean, 1995, Virginia Tech starting free safety was 167 pounds, yeah. and he was known as a big hitter, 167 pounds. Larry Green was their starting corner, five seven, 163. Yeah. Uh, football players are so much bigger these days, and they're hitting each other. Well, with, you know, then along came Cam Chancellor. Right, and, right. And, and, and you so, guys have heard me talk about it before. First time I ever saw Cam Chancellor walk into a room, I didn't recognize his face. I thought he was a defensive end. Right. That's that's a wow. far right. cry from Larry Green and William Yarbrough. Exactly. So guys they were are, corners, I get it. So there are more injuries these days, way more injuries. And you're just trying to keep guys healthy because they're so these players are so big these days. And all and the CTE I, stuff. I, right. I, I think getting players so big, whether that's their own fault from a supplemental standpoint or strength and condition getting so advanced, I actually think it's it's hurting the game and to a certain extent, in my opinion. Because right. um, uh, I, I, I think I, the reaction to it is hurting the right, game. Right, right. Um, I mean, if they hit as much as they did in the mid-'90s in practice, half these teams wouldn't even be able to fill the team fill on the a week-to-week week yeah, basis. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, back to the Farley yeah. discussion. Um, you know, he didn't play a lot of defense in high school. He – you know he's being asked to to tackle, which is something he just haven't do, hasn't done much in his entire life. I yeah. think that's fair. Uh, one guy I do want to bring up. I know you were mentioning the the projected, in your opinion, starters at cornerback. But I mean, Jeremy Webb's a guy who hasn't played since 2016. Has had just a, just bad luck when it mm-hmm. comes to injury, and he has rehabbed hard. Is he in position to be an impact in the secondary this year? Not yet, um, and it's to be determined whether he ever will. He's back. He's practicing, but 
two torn Achilles. Uh, I, I thought in the brief, rusty. I thought in the brief time we watched that you could see that he was holding a little bit back. Right. Not uh, that I've watched Jeremy Webb day in day out. Of course or, or, not. Or, or, or maybe he's not holding anything back. Maybe it's just not there anymore. Yeah. Or maybe it will be back, but it's got to be steadily built back up to strength. Well, we, All I know is he's probably third string right now. Yeah. Um, and he will probably help on special teams and hope that he gradually develops into the player that they recruited him to be because this is a guy who was a top Juco recruit in the country. Yep. Um, I thought he, he – when healthy, would have brought a physicality to Virginia Tech's defense that was sorely – that they sorely lacked last year. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know it, – it's to be determined. There's no way to accurately predict what kind of career he'll have because of those injuries. Uh, maybe he'll achieve everything that they thought he would achieve, or maybe he'll never get higher than their third string. You, yeah. you just don't know. Will, uh, one guy who benefited from the new redshirt rule last year after playing in four games was Devin Hunter. I mean, a guy who was a really big-time recruit when he came in here to Virginia Tech. He's got loads of talent. He redshirted last year. What are your expectations for him this year? Did you get to see him practice at all uh, this summer? Well, if, if you watch him last year, I think they had some ex- expectations for him last year. And, and I think the first time we really saw him was in the ODU game. When he came into the game, I watched him, and, uh, and he was whipped, correct? Yeah. And I, I thought he looked kind of lost, like he was trying to figure out what to do. And I think the coaches saw that too. So he got in three or four games, and they said, you know, we're going to shut him down. We're going to redshirt him. Now I'm going to have to ask for backup on Chris here. I mm-hmm. know that we've heard a little bit about Devin. Um, uh, what have uh, we oh. heard about how he's progressing? Well, okay, well, let's go back, throw him in that group of the other safeties who lost an entire year of – That's of, true. I mean, Tyrone Nix was his coach. He didn't have a coach. I mean, he had, or he had a coach who did, had no, didn't know anything about the Tech defense. Some guys regressed, and in his so, case, he didn't progress at all. He, right, exactly. Um, and he was played out of position at whip because Mook Reynolds, his status had been uncertain since the spring. So they moved Evan to whip because they, they said, gosh, we need a starter there because we're, we're probably not going to have Mook. So he's year. at Rover now, He'd be, right? he, uh, Yes, he's back okay. at Rover, which is where he played where as a true freshman. Position. Right, yeah. So everything's fine with Devin Hunter. And I'm not saying he's going to be an All-American or anything like that, but I think his progression, considering what's happened to him in his college career, is fine. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy with where he is. I think he's going to be a good backup to Floyd this year, and then I think he'll be, be a two-year starter at Rover and have a good career. And his attitude is phenomenal. Most guys in his situation would have, would have hit that portal. transfer portal. Yeah. They, they would have said, oh, man, I was a top top 100 recruit. These guys aren't developing me. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get out. And he, he didn't do it. He stuck with it, and uh, he's been a great teammate. I, I've had, and I, I thought he looked fine in the open practice sessions w- we saw at the beginning. I've had the pleasure of having class with him. He's an exceptional, really nice guy. I mean, yeah. just a guy who's just fun to talk to. And so, um, is he is he a comm major? Is he in he's a comm major? Yeah. yeah, he actually yeah. told me freshman year. I love this is still true that he has hopes to maybe be a sports broadcaster one day. So, well, let's get him in here, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't let him. You know <laughs> no, <I don't>. guys, <laughs> we'll get him after he graduates. Yeah. We're running kind of short on time, so I'm gonna skip through the linebackers unless there's anything that you guys really want. Uh, to yeah, um, actually. Okay, go ahead. All right. uh, I think, the, and the, I used the example of defensive end earlier of how Virginia Tech has over-recruited uh, certain guys. Or, uh, yeah, over-recruited, that's the right word. Um, so last year for the first seven games of the season, Dylan Rivers was the starting backer. 
and before eventually getting displaced by Dax, and he was still in the rotation. Because Rivers the got hurt, year. right? Uh, he was hurt, and then and Dax. Then was when he got Dax healthy, was Dax. Quite frankly, Dax was better. I, I think the Rivers um, getting hurt opened the door, and then. Yeah. Well, my point is now I'm not even sure he's second string anymore. At All some right. point, he was working at, at backer, or uh, excuse me, Mike. Because Keyshawn Artis, a redshirt freshman, has apparently been so impressive at backer. And they're trying to figure out exactly where Rivers fits in um, because they've also got Keyshawn Artis at, at Mike. And they're like an Alan Tisdale at backer, right? Uh, you know, who did I say? You said Keyshawn Artis. I said, who did I say? I said, I thought I said uh, Alan Tisdale at backer earlier. No, you said Keyshawn Artis. I said, okay, sorry. Yeah. Well, Keyshawn Artis at Mike, Alan Tisdale at backer. Look at that, man. I corrected Chris. Yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, so uh, rare. Uh, you know, we got like 13,000 names in our recruiting database. Uh, and I, 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 I can't remember yeah, all Yeah, but these some of those are anymore. basketball players. Correct. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, there's a chance that Dylan Rivers could be Virginia Tech's third option at both linebacker spots last year. And he was a, he was a four-star guy, right? And he was a four-star guy. Yeah, and a starter. And uh, – but you know, didn't look good last year. Quite frankly, when he played, didn't look didn't look like he never should have been a four star. He, he got he got his uh, he got his ankles broken in that OD. Yeah, game. it just I didn't really look game. athletic enough. But my point here is, if he's third string now, which is possible, which is a possibility at this time last year, he was first string. Maybe. So Virginia Tech's talent level has upgraded at the linebacker spot. At and that both was one linebacker of the, and spots. that was one of the bright spots of last year's team was the linebacking. Correct, spot. correct. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, once yeah, Dax Ash, got Ashby, in there, Ashby worked out great. War, Daxby was a, was a, was a good player for Tech last year. He didn't necessarily. You couldn't really tell it at times because you know linebackers need to they need to stay clean. They need their defensive linemen to help them stay clean, and that yeah. wasn't always accomplished, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Tech's linebacker core is improved by leaps and bounds. And, and Dax has uh, reshaped himself to be mm-hmm. better at the backer position. Uh, lost, lost 15 pounds or something like that. He, lost and he's also, body fat. he's also worked at Mike some. Yes. So, I mean, Bud Foster is trying to decide, all right, if something happened to Rayshard Ashby, what would his linebacker core look like? Would, would he keep Dax – at backer, and then move either Keyshawn Artis or Dylan Rivers into that starting Mike role, or would he move Dax to Mike and start Alan Tisdale at backer? I suspect he would move Dax to Mike and start Alan Tisdale at backer, but I don't know that for a fact. And, you know, the depth chart when it comes out today won't necessarily tell us that. And, and Dax is up for anything, man. He's yeah, just yeah. Like, whatever, yeah. tell me where to go, coach. Where to, yeah, he's such a positive Oh, and there's a great picture of you interviewing Dax, I believe. On, yeah, uh, yeah, and I need to stand up straight. And, <laughs> and the funny part about that picture is Dax, Dax is – how tall is Dax? Like – Six one. He's like six inches taller than me. Five, four, five or six inches taller than me. It almost looks like we're the same height in that picture. It's all about perspective. I don't know if I'm more excited to see Dax on the field or to see him eventually go for the Benny's Challenge 2.0. He brought Oof. that up recently. You know, that I he, just, that he, Dax, Dax is the kind of player that you need more of him. And I'm not just saying that from a media standpoint. He was a great interview. I got a chance to talk to him alone for like 10 minutes. He's a great interview, but he sees such a positive influence mm-hmm and a good leader and a guy who just makes the most out of whatever situation he's in. He doesn't care if the situation's good or bad. He's going to do whatever's needed, yeah. you know, and, and you need, you need people like that. And uh, he's just, if you had a team full of Dax Hollyfield, you'd have a great team. Absolutely. All right, guys, let's round out with this quickly. Uh, CC, I'll throw it to you here. You know, the defensive line is a, no, don't forget the lyrics. Okay. But I'll, keep I'll finish the podcast. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, defensive line, 
question mark at times last year. Of course, there were a lot of injuries. <laughs> at times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course, Ricky Walker's gone. Vinny Mahota's gone. A couple of injuries still. What's the defensive line looking like right now? Still a question mark. The biggest question mark on the team. Uh, like I said, I do think we've upgraded. But we've upgraded from bad, quite frankly, to I don't know if we're going to be average or below average. I don't think they're going to be any better than average. I think they like opinion. the guys they've got, but a lot of them need, to, need, need a little more seasoning. Well, Taiwan Garbutt's a redshirt sophomore, and he's a KG veteran, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, of the defensive ends, basically. Uh, and the backup defensive ends are going to be redshirt freshmen with uh, redshirt sophomore Jalen Griffin, who played linebacker up until August 1st. Yeah. So it's just a lot of still a lot of inexperience there. And when you throw inexperienced players on the football field, especially a large group of them at the same time, mistakes are going to be made. I mean, just look, look at it from a mathematical standpoint. Let's say there's a 20% chance that a freshman is going to make a mental error. It's not that big a deal when he's playing 15 snaps a game. But when he has to play 60 snaps a game like Taiwan Garbutt had to play last year, those that those mistakes add he's up. He's going to make 12 mistakes. Right, instead and, of three. And if he's and, in the wrong gap. And, and when you got five of those guys on the field at the same time, yeah. It's, it's just a mathematical there's, there's certainty yeah, that you're going to... There's probability theory there that right. all these things are going to line up and they shouldn't result in 13 yards per play over the course of an entire game. <laughs> Pittsburgh. <laughs> but they're going to result in, in, in some... And they're going to result in a lot of mistakes. I mean, when you start a freshman quarterback and two freshman tackles, you're going to get sacked 10 times, like what happened like to Miami, Miami the other yeah. night. That's just Yikes. the way it is. Yeah. Um, so, Virginia Tech might be playing as many as three true freshman defensive tackles this year. They're for sure going to play two. Um, you're going to see mistakes out of those guys. That's just the way it is. And then they like they like all those guys. Uh, yes, I think that from a talent perspective, they have improved. Uh, I what has cycled out of the program in the last year at defensive tackle were guys that shouldn't have been playing at the ACC level. Uh, they had to play. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were getting ready to name names, and I was going to say, ah, don't name. I'm names. not going to name let's names. Move on. Right? Yeah. Um, but these guys are good enough. They're just too young. Um, and I wish we could redshirt more than one of them. And we not, might not be able to redshirt any of them. Nah. But that's just the way it is. Um, that's, just, that's just where we were as a program. And you can't expect too much out of these guys too early. Um, we're going to have to score some points this year and be better in the back end. And, you know, fortunately, I, I think every, every, every other position on the defense is, is better. Uh, and I think the defensive line is more talented. How many times they'll actually be better, I don't know, because of their inexperience. We'll just have to wait and see. But for sure, that's the on paper, that's the weak spot of the defense. There you have it. In an hour, we have just gone through the entire, the team. entire team. See, I told you. And, I told you, you and, and we said 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah, that's yeah, that's going to be tough to keep through uh, sure. every but, week. But, okay. you know, if it only takes, like, so we'll actually be talking two hours a week instead of one. But the rest of it takes the same amount of time, so you know, let's go for it. Yeah, and, and I'm sure the depth chart will be out in 30 minutes and refute half of what we just said. Just blow holes yeah. in what we did, yeah. So for your song lyric, Eric Fisher got it. Yeah. I'm following uh, Talking Heads. Yep. Flowers. Nothing but flowers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh, he's the podcast MVP. You know, I, I was actually I was thinking about it driving in this morning, and I was like, have I already used lyrics from that song? Because I've. I've Okay, so the the story with that song is it's it's off the album Naked, which came out in late '80s, early '90s. I'm not sure. Talking Heads, and ten songs, and I think the first six are great. And and the, I don't even I never listened to the last four. So the song is called Nothing But Flowers, and and David Byrne is 
singing about uh, the uh, mankind trans- transitioning to a utopian existence where they have gotten rid of all the trappings of, of modern life, technology, and a lot of the, uh, like a lot of the, uh, the beginning of the song, he talks about when he was a child and he would go out by the freeway and pretend he was a billboard and stand by the road and he loved to watch the cars go by. But since then, they've, they've done away with all the cars. They've done away with all the stores. Like there's a line in there. This was a pizza hut. Uh, now it's nothing but flowers or something like that. And this was a discount store. Now it's been turned into a cornfield. And it, the song's about six minutes long. And musically, it's fantastic. It really builds. I love it. The, the composition of it is outstanding. The lyrics are clever. And uh, as, as, he, as he's bringing it home at the end, he sings... I dream of cherry pies, cherry pies, candy bars, and chocolate chip cookies. We used to microwave. Now we just eat nuts and berries, you know. And at the very end of the song, the last line of the song is, "Don't leave me standing here. I can't get used to this lifestyle." But it's it's a really cool song, so I recommend it. It's called "Nothing But Flowers" by the Talking Heads. My dream is to one day read the bio, and I know that song. So I, I had a lyric earlier this summer. It was, uh, "Hey Lois Lane, you don't need no Superman." We had that before last year. We did. So we did. We do it at the end of last year. I, we did. Um, I and I'm already forgetting what the name of it. Spin we Doctors. Did. Spin Doctors. Jimmy Olsen's Blues. Hey, real quick. While I do have your Twitter up, uh, I, I did not come up with today a tech sideline uh, podcast question of the week, but we'll go ahead and put the question out that Will put on his Twitter last night. He was at Taco Bell pondering the question, which is best, a hard taco or a soft taco? I think that the uh, poll has expired by now. But sixty-one uh, percent. What do you think, Chris? What would you vote? Hard taco or soft taco? Uh, gosh, I don't know. Come on, man. It's not complicated. Probably Pick soft, one. I guess. <laughs> 61% says I'm not a big taco. taco guy, to be honest with you. Yeah, but so. we used to go to Taco Bell, and, and yeah. you used to order you, you used to order a combo that came with a oh, taco. I'll get the cases here. But yeah. I, yeah. But didn't it also come it with a taco? It came with taco. It came with soft taco. Well, that's going to do it for the first Tech Sideline podcast of the year from the new set. Thanks so much to everybody who watched. Thanks so much to everybody who listened. From Malcolm and Will and Chris, my name is Evan. Thanks so much for listening. We'll preview Boston College and Virginia Tech, the season opener, on Wednesday. Hope you can join us then for the next edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast.